pass down to the next generation, you know, the things that we've learned, the things that we've experienced, and especially the godly things, the godly way of living. And it's interesting, you see, in, uh, especially in the Old Testament, how quickly uh, things would turn when one generation uh, wouldn't teach the next generation how to live, how to be, how to act, how to be men, how to be women, how to be godly men, how to be godly women, and all these things. Uh, and we all know that in Exodus 20, 12, that there is the scripture that says, honor your father and mother and your days may be long, right? It's, the, it's, it's in the Ten Commandments that God tells us that we should honor our fathers and our mothers. Well, these are our spiritual dads. We're gonna honor these four guys today and I've got questions for them. Are you guys ready to hear their answers? Yeah, yeah we'll give them one more big welcome and a, a round of applause. Let me introduce them to you. First right here, we have Greg Charman. We have the Don himself, Sal Fondacaro. Guy who's been a great, great friend for a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Galvan. And the guy that I wanna be when I grow up, Mike Sands. Mike Sands. These, these guys, all four, are amazing. Um, they're all four are uh, dads, but really these guys are also, they have just father's hearts. It has nothing to do with actually having children. It has everything to do with about passing on legacy, uh, about teaching, uh, and, and about being an example. So are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you guys ready? No, Mike is not ready. So we call this, I don't know if you noticed over here on the TV screen, we, we're calling today, hey dad, I must ask you a question. Wisdom from our spiritual fathers. Did you like that? All right, so question number one. Question number one is going to go to uh, Greg and Mike. So Greg first. What is something that you have learned from your dad that has been helpful? Or it could be something that you learned from your dad not to do. What, what is something that you learned from your dad, Greg? Well, for me... My father taught me how to accept people right where they're at. All right, Mike. Mike, what's something that your dad uh, has taught you uh, that has been helpful, or what's something that your dad uh, taught you uh, not to do? It's not going to give you a disease. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> sure. Remember, I'm a soldier. I can inflict. That's right. Go for it. Uh, basically, what my dad taught me was how. Frank, help him out, Frank. To be a dad. There you go. Hold, Frank will hold the mic for you. I don't like the mic. Yeah, Frank right? will hold the mic for you. Mike, you need the mic. Yeah, yeah. I don't need the mic. Yes. See? No, I, uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was an infant, so I never was raised by my dad. So basically, I learned what not to do as a father, and that is walk away. You always got to... You know, you have a responsibility to your family, to your kids, especially. So you always, you're always there, at least me, I know I'm always there for my kids and my family. Amen. 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 Yeah. So, uh, Frank, if, if you don't mind answering that question, too, what, what's something that you've learned from your dad? My dad 
was a man who uh, didn't show a lot of affection. And so, but what I learned from him was to not ever give up. Just like Mike was talking about, not ever to walk away. See, my dad was one of these guys that he left turmoil from Mexico and came to this country because of things that had happened in the Pueblito where he grew up. When he came here to a brand new country, brand new people, brand new everything, he came with absolutely nothing. He was uh, an orange picker. And then from there, by the time he was uh, done with this life, he ended up owning uh, th three properties here in America f and one additional property in Mexico. And that was because he never gave up on himself, his dream, and he never gave up on us as kids. He was always setting the bar up a little higher. When I told him, and all, all my eight brothers and sisters have lots of accomplishments, but when I told him my specific accomplishment, he would look at me and say, I know you could do better. I know you could do better. And it wasn't so much that he thought I wasn't doing well, it's that he wanted to challenge me and push me and persevere. Mm. Uh, I think that's something that dads, um, God made dads to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. to not give up and not be satisfied where you're at. The Bible talks about being content. That's one thing, being content in every situation, but to challenge us to get closer to Christ, get closer to our family, get closer to our Heavenly Father. That's what I got from my dad in perseverance. Love it. So our next question is going to go to uh, uh, Frank, Sal, and uh, Mike. What is your life verse? Sal, we're going to start with you. What is your life verse and, and, and why? What's the, what's the scripture verse that speaks to you the most, that's taught you the most, that you kind of live by, uh, and why? Um, I, would, I would say right now, because music has been uh, a, a very great part of my life, that... Um, Psalm 34, verses uh, 1 and 2, um, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Um, it, it means that much to me because I, I have... Music is, is a way of praising God, and it, it's, it's so much a part of my life. I've used that as an example. When I accepted the Lord uh, in, in my life um, uh, a long time ago, I, I knew that God wanted me to use that gift that he gave me in that, and I thought that verse was the one verse that stuck into uh, with me pretty much most of my life, and I've... I wrote that in all my Bibles. Every time I got a new Bible, I always wrote that verse in the in the front of my uh, Bible to to remind me that I will praise Him at all times. Amen, amen. Frank, uh, same question to you. What is your what is your life verse and and why? We have a motto in my family. It's um, do your best, trust God for the rest. So I don't know if you guys have the same kind of motto or maybe you haven't adopted a family motto, but I definitely would encourage you guys to have something like that for your family and uh, pass down to your kids. My 
life verse or our family verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Both Annie and I have learned that she and I were the first ones to come to Christ in our family. We come from a family who is very, very Catholic. Very Catholic, you guys. I mean, like, we still get invited to the rosaries whenever there's a funeral. We get invited to the posadas, you know, where they play the rosary during Christmas time. Mike, stop it. I'm talking. I got the mic. <laughs> you didn't want it. You gave your time to me. <laughs> and so stepping out of the Catholic church and that Catholic dynamic, because us as Mexicans, our culture and our faith and religion is all intertwined. You cannot separate them. And when I made the decision to follow Christ, I knew exactly the reaction my family would have. And pretty much I got shunned, not just by my mom and, and others, but my, my aunts, my uncles, and um, for the most part, my cousins. So she and I had to trust God in everything that we did. So when we adopted that live verse, um, we had to lean not on our own understanding, but on his. Amen. When we did that, then we knew that we were on the right path. Amen. And there was nothing that could veer us right or left. We have to stay on the straight and narrow. Amen. Uh, Greg, uh, same question to you. Uh, what is your life verse and, and why? My life verse is uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through, through Christ who gives me strength. And uh, that is... Our, our, as a, a married couple, that's our, um, our, our saying as well. We've, both of us have always, that's been our, our scripture passage that we follow. Amen. Amen. All right, next question. <clears throat> this is a good one. I, I may let you all answer because I'm curious. If you could go back in time, what is one thing that you would do that you didn't do or something that you would do differently? I want to start with Mike. I just, I want to hear Mike. If you could go back in time, what's something either that you would do that you didn't do or something that you would do differently? Uh, well, <clears throat> growing up, my kids don't know this, but they're, oh, about, they're about to find gonna out. It's going to be good. Growing up, I was, uh, I guess I wasn't the, the best of examples. Um, me and my friends, we used to always go out and cause problems and, and do the wrong thing. So... If I were to go back, I would slap myself across the face a couple times and, and say, hey, grow up. This is not the way you need to, you need to act. Um, I came to Christ through Nicole, my wife, later in high school, so I really didn't know it. And I, I think I just went through the motions because, you know, she was hot and I wanted to date her. And <laughs> Dad... <laughs> Dad kept saying that unevenly yoked thing, and I was like, whatever, you know. But uh, I accepted Christ through that, and there's, there's a verse that I actually just read not too long ago um, that kind of explains what I should have done but didn't. Uh, it's Mark 9.24. The father cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So it's one of those things, yeah, I was there, yeah, I was going through the motions. I believed somewhat of what I was going through, but 
I still had a lot of unbelief, and I didn't didn't basically say, "Hey, I need your help." And that's that's what I would have done different. How about you, Frank? Something you would have done differently, uh, or something that you'd like to go back and do? Can I pass it a cell first, and then sure, yeah, get back yeah. to me? Sal, Is that okay? He's go deferring. Ahead, Sal. Can I pass that back to Frank? <laughs> I'd like, to, I'd, like, I'd like to hear that myself. No tag backs, Frank. No tag backs. No tag backs. That wasn't part of the rules. Oh, oh. Yeah, fine. Okay. Um, this one's kind of tough for me because part of my upbringing is this. My dad, who was, you know, very old school, Mexican, that kind of thing, he just was very not affectionate. Uh, there was a point in time in my life where I literally had to be stopped with my sister from taking my dad out. I literally had the gun in my hand. And I was going to take my dad out because I hated him that much. I was in high school. I was about 16 years old. And my older sister said, absolutely not. You're not taking my dad away from me. And I remember that interaction with her. Now, later on in life, when I reflect on that, the one thing that I regret is not understanding forgiveness sooner. Mm. You see, mm. forgiving my dad helped me. It didn't help him. He didn't care. He was going to be the same way he is. Yeah. Somebody said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting that other person to die. Ooh. And so I had drank that poison of unforgiveness for a long time long time hmm. and I was not a very uh, nice person unlike Mike he was always nice even though he was un, you know rebellious the way he was <laughs> at one point in time I had to make the decision to just forgive him entirely and completely and what had happened was my dad was paralyzed he was older he was paralyzed and I knew I had forgiven him because when I went to the house where we grew up in, I walked inside with two of my young sons and my wife and my dad, who could not speak at the time, motioned for me. And when he was murmuring, come over here, come over here. And so in our family, we always gave each other a kiss on the cheek. Well, his right side was paralyzed. He couldn't feel anything. And so I gave him a kiss on the cheek on his right side. And then he motioned over here. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And my older sister who was taking care of him at the time said, he can't feel the kiss on that side of his face. Mm. So he wants you to kiss him on the other side. Mm. So I did. And then he ended up, he was in a wheelchair right next to the couch. And he told me, well, not in words, but he motioned to me, sit down next to me. And he kept rubbing my hand. He kept rubbing it. And I knew, because before I would never want to sit next to him or anything like that because I had so much unforgiveness and hatred toward him, toward him, as he kept rubbing my hand and I looked at him, and even though he couldn't speak, I knew, I knew that I had forgiven him completely of mm. all the things he had done to me. Mm. Sal. Um, I think, you know, I, I can understand where Frank's coming from, I say my father was a, a military man, so very, you know, strong, opinionated, um, 
he would always say that uh, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I think growing up, being the firstborn, I think those uh, fathers who were firstborns, um, we're, we were pretty much the, the guinea pigs, because um, usually a, a first-time father, usually with the first child is going to be the hardest because he, um, they're learning themselves. So we both had to learn. My father had to learn, um, especially in my case, because it wasn't something that he thought the, the kind of uh, child that he thought was going to come into this world. But uh, So he was tough on me. And I think the reason why he did that because he didn't want me to, 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 to have it easy. He wanted me to, to, to understand that the life is going to be tough, and I think because of that, it made me more passive. I I was I wasn't uh, I wasn't as strong as he was uh, in in raising raising the kids, and uh, because of that, um, I think if I had to do it all over again, I'd still I don't think I would change that much at all because I. Um, in my nature, I, I, I never wanted to be a hard nose because I, I wanted to be someone that was compassionate and loving. I remember, you know, when I was disciplining my, my oldest, my first, um, it was harder on me than it was on him um, because I, I never did that. It was, it was easy for my dad to discipline me because it, it, he was learning just like like any uh, a beginning father, so I, um, if I had to do it over over again, um, I think I would be a little more, um, a little more, a little stronger, but not so much changed so much in in raising uh, my children. I think uh, I did the best job I, I I could do at that time, and I always believed that. I did. I I improved in what my father didn't do, just like I know my son is is improving with his children. So I think any father would want the best for their children and want their children to be raised be better. even Man, better yeah. than you know what I uh, what the what their father has done. That's right. So, right. And Greg, same answer, uh, question to you. What if you could go back in time and? Do something differently or, or do something that you never got to do or did do? What was something that you'd like to? Well, let me just put it this way. I was a child of the 70s. Um, I, I knew everything until I was about 25 years old. So um, until I could learn to respect authority and, and honor men who were my senior and, and some of the advice and some of the things that they could offer me, um, I you know, I was pretty well in the world and, and making a lot of worldly decisions and, and not such great decisions. Um, probably the biggest thing I wished I would have done was took a lot of my idle time and been more productive with it about getting an education. Yeah. yeah. Good. So uh, we've got two guys up here, two uh, dads who have both served in the military. Uh, uh, Greg is a former Marine. Uh, uh, Greg, thank you for your service. Uh, and, and, and Mike, a former Army uh, uh, Mike, thank you for your service. Uh, so I have a question for the both of you. Uh, Greg, you first. What has uh, serving in the military t taught you, or, and what is it, how has it helped you in just life? So 
So obviously they taught you how to be, you know, a, a good <laughs> soldier. Uh, but how did it was? What are the things though that you've taken from the, your time in the military and you've applied them to your life? How to put up or shut up. <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, I really wrestled with authority up until, well, even in my time in the military. But, I mean, I did learn that uh, sometimes you just have to learn to respect the position and not necessarily respect the man or, or woman that is in that position of authority. And then not only that, but can serve them in that capacity, yeah. and, you know. And so sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. Mike, how about you? What's something you've learned in your time in the military? Uh, well, first thing, uh, there's no such thing as a former Marine. Sorry. Or former, former soldier. Yes, sorry. All right. Once as a, Marine, a civilian, a Marine. I apologize. Once a soldier, always a soldier. Just to as get a that now straight. former pastor, I apologize. As former, yes. There is those, just so you know. Yeah. No. Um, my time in the military taught me a lot. I mean, I spent half my adult life in the military, 24 years. My kids knew it. They were born into it. My wife, we got married into it, and it's, it was our life. It was, it was what we knew. Um, the, the biggest thing that I, the, there's a few things that I learned. Uh, camaraderie is one thing. Once, you, once you've been in the military, you have a family for life, basically. Um, teamwork, you have to do everything together. You have to. You know, because once you're in there, I mean, you never know when the person next to you, behind you, in front of you is going to need you, and you're going to need them. So you always have to be able to step up and be that team player that everybody needs. And the, the most important thing that I learned was uh, the importance of family. Not only your immediate family, but when you're in the military, you gain family. You have a lot of external family. We have family all over the country right now and we could go just about anywhere and find somebody that we know that we station we're stationed with or a family member that we came really close friends you know in Hawaii they call it Ohana because everybody is family in Hawaii so in the military it's the same thing you develop your Ohana in the military and uh, you learn to to rely on each other you learn to to be there for each other when I was deployed my wife and my kids were back by themselves, but what did they do? They had their external family. Nothing, nobody immediate. I mean, there was just us, us four, and that was it. So we had to, to rely on the family members of, of other soldiers to become our own, basically, to uh, lift us up when we need to, to be that, that shoulder to cry on, to be that support. Um, I always think about my time as, as a soldier, you know, I grew, I, like I said, 24 years, so I went through all the ranks. Um, as you advance in the military, you learn that your knowledge is not your own. You have to pass that on, mm, you know. Um, I kind of put this little thing here together, just like Jesus and his disciples. He was their teacher. He was their mentor. He was their friend. He was their support. And he was, at times, their, discipline, his, their disciplinarian, you know. So that's something that, as a soldier, as a leader in the military, that you learn to do. You have to teach, you have to support, and you have to pour out onto all the soldiers that you're with 
and sometimes reprimand, not always, but you have to depend on them to do their job and you have to depend on yourself to be able to teach them what you know to pass it on because you're not going to be there all the time. They're going to eventually take over. As of now, I'm a civilian now, so I hope, you know, my legacy move, uh, goes on and on in the military. I think it's interesting. I, I would have assumed that, you know, the picture of toughness is, you know, kind of the, the John Wayne Lone Ranger type that's out there all fighting by himself. But really, as you get to know these military guys, uh, it is all about camaraderie. It is all about friendship. It is all about brotherhood and, and you know, that band of brothers type of thing. Basically, it's all about doing things as a group. Uh, and, I, and I really love the picture of that because that's as a church body how we should be, we should be doing life together um, like that as, as well. Thank you. Thank you both uh, uh, again. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You guys can. Uh, if, if there's another um, uh, vocation and, uh, you know, kind of career that is, to me, uh, just as honorable as, uh, you know, serving our country, it's also serving our, our kids, uh, working with children, working with teenagers, working with all our youth. Uh, we have two career, uh, basically teachers uh, up here. Uh, Sal, longtime uh, music teacher, vo vocalist, uh, always taught kids everything from music theory to, you know, um, like I said, piano and, and such. Uh, Frank, who's also a career uh, teacher. And I have a question for the both of you. So Sal, my, my question to you is uh, what is uh, your time teaching kids? What has it taught you? What, what is your takeaway from your years of, of working with, with children? I think um, as a music teacher, um, you, you, wanna, you, wanna, you want to instill upon them things that will carry them for the rest of their lives. Um, not all my music students and vocalists go on to become career musicians or vocalists. But, in, it, but they inst I instill upon them the, the, the points of commitment and hard work and that uh, things that, uh, that will, will benefit them for the rest of their life. I know um, that not only am I a music teacher, but I've, I find myself being a counselor also. Uh, there are times I've had students come up to me and we'd be doing a lesson and suddenly they'd break down and cry for a reason I've got this, this and that. And, and I find myself talking to them in things that have nothing to do with music or nothing to do with, with what I do as, as, a, as a music teacher. But God has given me the, 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 the wisdom and, and, and the compassion to listen and to, to instill upon them the things um, that will help them carry them through and help them make them better people. Um, I know one of my students in particular was now a, uh, a, a medical surgeon, and um, he, um, uh, he was a, a very good piano student, and he, um, he performed this one piece, I remember it clearly, and uh, he was up to, to win the gold medal in my honors recital. And um, 
he came up to a point where he was just about ready to finish the song with just a, maybe just a few more bars, and he blacked out. He blacked out, and he couldn't remember. He stopped for a moment because I always told him, I said, if something happens and you, and you forget, stop, take a deep breath, and start again. So he started again, and he came to that same point again and blacked out. Everyone was just, the judges were looking at him and just, they were, their hearts were broken. He came up to the third time and tried it one more time and came it and was able to just get by with the rest of the song and finished it. And he went downstairs uh, after, the, after the recital was over and he played that song from start to finish without one mistake to himself. And uh, he wrote that in a, in a, in a, an essay of a person that he said that inspired him the most. And he wrote that this essay and he said, my teacher told me never to quit, never to stop, to keep moving forward and it's going to, it's going to go his way. And now to see him that he's a, a father of four kids and a, a medical surgeon in, I think he's living in Arizona now. And, um, it, it, it makes you realize, I've always told my students, I said, you are the ship that's coming into port. Your teacher is the rudder that's underneath the water. Nobody sees the rudder. Nobody sees what that, what that little rudder is doing, but it's guiding them. It's moving them into the right place. They get no glory, they get no fame, but when that ship comes in, the hard work that those kids have done are the ones that get the, the praise and the honor. And I'm, I'm happy to say that it's, it's at a point to where right now, this, this very moment, I'm teaching the child who I taught her mother when she was a child. Mm. Now I'm teaching her, her child, and I, I, I said that, to, I said, Jennifer, why are you bringing your daughter here? He goes, you were so inspiring. And I wanted my daughter to have that same thing. So that, that tells you, that, those, that is my thumbs up as a teacher. And those, those are the things that make my job worthwhile. And Sal, really quick, and I, I know it's a, it's a really, really short phrase, but what's your motto to all your kids? Uh, it's something that you tell everybody, and it's something that it's kind of your life lesson that you, you know, what's that one thing that you tell them? And you, you should always share it with me. I know what it is. Never say. Yeah. Never say no. There's no such... To me, my, my motto is you, there's no such word as can't. There, that's it. No such word as can't. There's no such word as can't. That's right. Uh, and I have always showed them to them, especially piano students. They go, I can't do it, I can't. I said, well, good. You know what? I'll give you my hands, and you give me your hands. And they look at my hands and go, no, 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 Mr. Sal. I, I, I think I'll keep my hands. <laughs> I said, well, just if I can do it. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. can do it. Come on. 
And, and that's, that's the thing that they need to see that. They need to see someone that has struggled a little more and have accomplished that. And that's the thing that I think makes a teacher such an important job. I think it's the most unheralded, and I think it's the most unappreciative profession. Yeah. Because they never, no one really realized what we go through as teachers. But we see it in our kids. Yeah. We see it in our kids and what they do. And that's our, that's our reward. That's right. Frank, uh, also to you as a teacher, what have you learned? Just the same things that Sal has already said so eloquently, by the way. Let's give him a nice round of applause. Yeah. So I'm going to pose this question to you guys. Can it, raise your hand if you have a teacher that has affected you in such a way that it's changed your life. Raise your hand if you have one of those. You know who it is. Whether it's positive or negative, you know who it is. <laughs> the one thing that I could tell you about being an educator, and I've taught high school, public education, middle school, public education, and elementary um, recently, I've been teaching the kids that nobody else wants to teach. Uh, I was reading interventionists with math intervention as well. And these are the kids that nobody can reach. It's, they're very, very difficult to teach. What I've learned throughout this whole process of me teaching about 25 plus years is this. Each kid has a different home. The parents need help. They really need help. I pray for my kids all the time. And when I call them my kids, I call them, they're my students. I don't know what family, home environment, or what dynamic is going on inside their home. But when they come into my classroom, I have to make sure they, I provide an environment that they feel comfortable and safe. Not necessarily loved, but they're comfortable and they feel safe where they can learn. What I've learned more than anything else is kids do not leave things at the door. They bring it into the classroom with them. So many times I've had to really change and be flexible in my lesson plans because something's happened with the child. Just this past week, I'm doing migrant ed um, summer school. When they get to know uh, community building act activities I have, four questions on the wall and they choose from the four questions when they pass the ball around and one of the students first day i had them eighth grader going into ninth grade the uh, the not the question it was a, a, a word frame if i were invisible i would and then they have to complete that sentence when the ball got to him as an eighth grader as tall as i am he said if i were invisible i would go back to my school, I would slug my vice principal, I would take out my principal, and I would um, damage and do all this stuff to this office staff and to the rest of my teachers. And then you threw the ball to somebody else. What do you do with that as a teacher? Seriously, what do you do with that? Do you let it go or do you just... So at that point in time, all of us have to make a decision whenever we come across a child who is 
not having the best day, or even if they're having a great day, whatever it is, we have to change because the child's not going to change. We have to make sure that we are providing something that they need at that moment in time. Mm. And so the right answer is to love them unconditionally. Mm. That's always going to be the right answer, just like Sal was talking about. Love them unconditionally. So what God has taught me is that if he's accepted me and loved me unconditionally, I have to translate that love to all my kids. In whatever manner or form it takes. That's powerful. Thank you, Frank. And thank you, Sal. Yeah, give me a... Hey, if you know a teacher, uh, if you know, and I, we have several in our church, uh, give them a, a thank you. Uh, it actually goes a long way. You might not, uh, but if you see one after service or, you know, later on, say, give a big thank you to one of our, our teachers and, and uh, those who work uh, in the school system. Uh, so we're, we were kind of winding down our time. I actually have more questions that we're not going to be able to get to, but there's two that I really, really want you guys to answer. Uh, this one's going to go to Frank and Mike. Uh, what things do you think we uh, need to teach the next generation uh, that has been lost? Mike, what's something that's been lost uh, that you feel like we need to bring back when it comes to teaching the next generation? Yeah. Buy the book. Just get the book. Just buy the book. Uh, You know, the first thing is, uh, and it's probably something that I I kind of failed at a little bit myself, but it's the importance of family. Um, They are always there for you. They will always be with you. You can always fall back on family. Um, Kids need to understand that. They need to understand that we're not here just to be, you know, the provider, we're not here to just to be the disciplinarian or, or whatever. We're here to love. And family is always there for you, always. No matter what happens, no matter where you're at, your family is something you can always fall back on. So always loving your family, always knowing who they are, and always knowing how to go back. I mean, even if it's something that you did that you have to apologize for, you know, uh, nine times out of ten, there's there's always that one that's not going to accept it. But nine times out of ten, your family's going to accept you back. Uh, what's that? The the prodigal son. That, I mean, that's a perfect example. You know, the story of the prodigal son. He goes off, does his thing, thinks he's his own man. What happens? He comes back. Dad opens arms, brings him back in, throws a party. Your family will always, always be there for you. So... That's something that, you know, you, you, as children, you need to understand that. Frank, something that we should be teaching the next generation that maybe is getting lost. Being the hands and feet of Christ in any and every situation. Uh, we don't know what is going to happen once we get out of this cafeteria, this setting. But they're always putting on the mind of Christ, putting on the full armor of God. And that Jesus really always is the answer. Mm. I know that's really cliche, you guys. I'm sorry, but that's the best I can do. (laughs) Seriously, because we see less and less of Jesus and more and more of acceptance of other things. So being the hands and feet of Christ, being those ambassadors, along with being family, which I agree with Mike, um, 
that's what we have to pass on to the next generation. All right, last question. This one's going to go to Greg and Sal. You've got a, a whole church here in front of you. What's just one piece of advice, uh, really, for the church uh, that you could leave uh, with us? Uh, you know, you got an opportunity here. You got a microphone. Uh, and just what's, what's one piece of advice as the church, as the body of Christ? What's a piece of advice you have for us? Well, as I thought about this question uh, throughout this week, uh, what kept coming back to me is James one twenty three. It says, don't just merely listen to the word, do what it says. Mm. Mm. So I want to just encourage all of us to strive to live biblically. That's all we can do. And nobody's going to be perfect at it. And nobody, you know, there's nobody here that's any better than anybody else in trying to live a, a Christian lifestyle. And so that's what my encouragement would be to this, this, this family, this church family here. Let's, let's strive to live biblically. Do what God's word says. Be in God's word. Be in meditation with God. Be in prayer. Do all those disciplines that, that are in, in the Bible. And, and do our best to try to live that out. Sal? Um, I, I would say that um, let's look at each other the way Christ looks at us. Um, we're all, we all look so different. We're all different uh, people in, in not only in careers, but in lifestyles and, and, and everything. And um, the, the thing that I think that's so special about this church is that we look at each other and we love each other the way Christ loves us. Amen. And I see that not only in just gestures, but there's a real compassion. There's a real there's a real sincerity. There's action behind those words. And I, if I could, if I could say to all of us, let's not only be that way within ourselves, within this church body, but as we go out, let's do this. Let's let's be that way. Let's be the hands and feet, and the eyes and the ears of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sal. Will you guys? Will you give these four one more round of applause and thank you? So I just have something that I want to encourage you to do, okay? And it's something everybody should be doing. This has nothing to do with being a dad or a mom or a, or a woman or a man or anything like that. Every single one of you should have somebody in your life that's like a mentor or that's like a father or a mother and if you don't have that start praying and start asking God God who's that person that could be that to me in my life I'll tell you I, I have those men and women in my life who speak truthfully but who love me unconditionally and can I tell you that it's helped me and continues to help shape me here's the second part to that be that for somebody be that for somebody be a mentor to somebody and pray and ask God, God, who could, who could that be? Every single one of you has something to give. Every single one of you is in a place in life and that there's somebody that's in a place that you used to be, baby. Ask God. There should be, you should always be looking to someone that's pouring into you and you should always be looking to pour into somebody. You should be that, that flowing stream of water. Just as Jesus pours into you and it flows out of you. 
So I'm going to ask that you would, you would, as we're kind of honoring fathers today and as we honored mothers last month, that you would think about who's someone that could be a mentor to me and who's someone that I can be mentoring. And really, I'm talking about spiritually. But think about it. If those are people aren't in your lives, then pray about it. Pray about it. It, it Maybe one or two. It doesn't need to be a whole, you know, whole bunch of people. But start praying about it and start asking God. Because let me tell you, we need it. We need to be doing that. Both of those. We need, I, I can't tell you how fulfilling it is when I get to share, you know, my experiences, my, you know, uh, little wisdom that I have to others. And as well as there's something about just sitting at the feet of someone else who's been there, who's done that, who's got this wisdom that they're just pouring into me. It is a part of life and it is so necessary. And it is why God created fathers and mothers. And it's not just biological. Fathers and mothers are just representations of who God is and God's character. And you can be in any form. It doesn't have to be a biological mom or a dad. It can be a spiritual one. In fact, sometimes the spiritual ones are sometimes even the most important. So would you do that for me? Would you start thinking about that and praying about that? I want to ask as we close, uh, if, if you four uh, would pray a blessing uh, and, and uh, pray over our church. Would you guys do, do that for us? Uh, Greg, would you mind starting us off and we'll go down and Mike, you'll, you'll close this up. So will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as these four men pray for us? Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God, Father, that we can come before your throne, that we can freely come before your throne, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Father, for a blessing over this church family, God. Learn, Lord, that we would learn to, to love one another unconditionally. And however that looks, Lord, we just, we just pray for that right now, God. And Father, as a, as a church, I just pray, Father, that you would lead us, you would guide us, you would teach us. You would be the one that we seek in all circumstances. And God, that uh, as we, we grow in you, we learn not only from one another, but more so we learn from your word. And Lord, teach us, Father. Help us to grow. Lord, help us to be stronger in our faith in you. Lord, I just uh, pray over this church, Father, that uh, your hand will just touch each and every one of these members, these brothers and sisters before us. Lord, that you will just um, move in their lives and give them, let them have the, the same example, Father, that you've set out in our lives. Father, that uh, they will pass that down from generation to generation. And that, Lord, that you will, they will see it. People that don't know you, Father, will see it, not only in words, but in actions. And we ask that, Lord, that you will just uh, continue, continue to, to instill upon them the love and the mercy and the grace that we, ha that we have with each other, that they will instill that to every place that they go, Father. Let them, let you, let, uh, you be the, the hands and, let them be the hands and feet, eyes and ears of Christ. Thank you. Father God, I pray that you would help us to sharpen one another. Mm. 
I pray, Lord God, that as we sharpen one another, the things that are not of you would fall off and that we become more and more like your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that the gifts that you have given each and every one of us represented here in this church, that we'll be able to move freely in those gifts, whatever that might be. And that, Father, we'd step out of ourselves and into not just the light of Christ, Father, but exactly what you would want for us. Father, we think we know what's best for us, but sometimes it's not what you would have for us. So I pray, Lord God, a covering over us and a protection. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for just uh, this opportunity to always have this, this room. It doesn't have to be this room, Lord, but this opportunity just to come together as yes. a church. Thank you, Lord. As a body of Christ, to just worship together and just to be with each other and to, to hear the word, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that as we sit in, in the audience, that we are uh, really listening and really getting what we need to get out of this, Lord. Um, there's many times where I feel like I don't want to be there today, but you know what? The Lord will always have something for you no matter what. Praise. So I just pray, Lord, that you always make this a priority that this church, you would make this a priority in your life to be around other brothers and sisters just to absorb and to either uh, pour out or to listen or whatever it is that you need for that day, Lord. Just uh, be that body for the community, be that body for your families, be that body for the people around you. And Lord, I just pray that this church would just uh, learn, learn how to be more like you on a daily basis. Praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you guys give them four a big round of applause? Thank you.